This podcast edition of Other Side of Texas is brought to you by our friends at Flint Boot and Hat, a West Texas original. You want a great hat or you want to make your boots great again, go see them at 3035 34th Street or Flint and 34th Street in Lubbock or see more at flinthat.com. It was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the rent. Barreling down I 35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space, be that city. Hey there, howdy, Jay West, Texas Leeson, right here on your other side, new episode ahead, and got lots of good stuff coming for you today. I don't know what that happens, Daniel. I had plenty of good stuff coming for you here today as uh, we have coming up Austin Corona, Texas Monthly. This I don't know if you've been following this story or not, but some controversy in Amarillo, up in the panhandle, the queen of the panhandle, <clears throat> Amarillo. The Golden City has a new double-A baseball team, and they're trying to decide what the name will be, and they put out a poll, the the leaders that be, and gave about four or five suggestions, and those results have come back, and one that is in contention is sod poodles. Now, I don't know what sod poodles, I've never heard that term, and if you listen to the program one week ago today, Kel Silger, state senator, former mayor of Amarillo, state senator from Amarillo, saying, I've never heard of that term. And said, anybody for sod poodles needs mental evaluation. At least I'm paraphrasing. Have to go back and listen to that. Austin Corona coming up. And then Texas poet John Poach right here on the program. Going to get into some Texas poetry Get your uh, West Texas soul stirred up a little bit as we roll along here where Buddy Holly became famous and we keep on raving on in the Racer Car Wash studios. Racer Car Wash voted Lubbock's best wash for five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations across Hub City for the best wash around. Guaranteed. Check them out at racerwash.com. Want to be a part of the program? Take good text, preferably great text, 806-745-5800. We don't, I get complaints about this in the anonymous mailbag. You don't read my text. Folks, things just move really quickly. If I jump up and I see it, then we'll get into it. We only move for an hour each program. Uh, so it's got to be something worth derailing for because at the end of the day, what I want to do, look, I'm just a simple boy from Hell County, but I want to put together a program that people will go back and listen to in the podcast, go to Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you can get a podcast and look for Other Side of Texas. It's It may well be worth what you pay for, and that's free. Uh, But I've got to put together a program that I feel like is something that I would want to listen to. So uh, if the text is within bounds and it makes a good point, then we bring it up here. Last night, 
your Texas Tech Red Raiders uh, pulling it out. Let's just give them a little tribute right quick as we roll along. Uh, yeah, that one, number two. Thank, oh, have you got it? Okay, well, maybe not. Uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders last night in a Fort Worth, Big Balls in Cowtown, and it was, in fact, Big Balls in Cowtown as the Red Raiders. There you go. It's 17 to 14, I believe, over those TCU Horn Frogs. Now, look. I love how my voice cracks like I'm still 13. That's an attribute, I believe. Here's the here's the bottom line with TCU. With A&M, and we're going to get into A&M here in just a moment. Some breaking news today. Everybody, well, let's go into that first. People surprised. Oh, did you hear the A&M Board of Regents chairman saying that the Tech Vet School was, was um, what did he say, lunatic? Lunatic was the word that he used. And there are 32 or 33 vet schools across country. Tech wants the bottom last. It's a waste of money. Folks, listen. You have to turn me down because I'm going to go off. What did you think was going to happen? Once you get rid of the legislative mastermind that is Bob Duncan, then you go after it from different angles. Now, John Sharp's no longer writing the op-ed now. Now it's other people stepping forward. If you don't think this isn't going to be a full-blown... Look, lots of you are new listeners, and I really appreciate that, but I've got a good grasp on the legislature and what happens in Austin, and it's not about being loud. It's about being politically competent, but also turning the masses, and that's exactly what's happening with Texas A&M right now. And... Hold on, Rick Francis, you aren't quite done because the first is the vet school, then it's the dental school. And John Sharp and the Texas Aggies think that they have a monopoly on the state, just like John Connolly and the University of Texas thought they had in the late 60s before they allowed us to have a medical school up here when it was proven that pipelines don't quite work. And the problem for West Texas is that we don't have the political power of a Preston Smith in the governor's chair. To, so, no, I'm not. And that's why I went to the links that I did to write what I did. Because I know it's going to potentially, it could be a very bad January through the spring and into May for Texas Tech University. I see that. And I have seen that. And that's why I called question on Rick Francis and John Steinmetz and Mickey Long and Chris Huckabee and to whatever extent uh, Ronnie Hammonds. Yeah, I saw it. And, and I still see it. And it's if you think that those these stories that are being passed, just wait. Wait till November. Wait till December. And it'll just get worse. Uh, Switch over right quick as we've got Austin Corona about to come on, talk about sod poodles in Amarillo. Mac Engel, who is a sports columnist with the Fort Worth Star Telegram, writing a spectacular, click worthy piece 
I guess, in his own mind, and this is how he prepped it, or this is the headline, after last night, after Texas Tech, and what I was going to say is Texas A&M, Aggies, by and large, make you feel like, at least if you've got a red and black diploma, that you're beneath them. TCU and Horn Frogs, by and large, and there are a few good ones out there, but by and large, they let you know that you're going to be working for them. At least that's my experience within my age cohort. And you tell me which one uh, is more obnoxious or which one is more presumptuous between A&M and the Horn Frogs. I think that the Horn Frogs show their, their stripes, as it were, Whenever Mac Engel writes a piece last night after the show, like it or not, TTU win over TCU likely guarantees Coach Bro another season in Lubbock. The man knows how to survive. Now, he'll go through and talk about how Johnny Manziel made him, how Cliff Kingsbury is incompetent, without saying as much, but that's what he means to say. And how do you, unless you already had that had that column written beforehand, which Matt Engel probably did have a lot of that written before the outcome of the game, that's not uncommon. But that's, that's what you have to say after. I cannot imagine Don Williams of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal writing a piece about uh, Gary Patterson, the TCU coach, the way that he did. And I know I'm getting into some real regionalism here, but, you know, here's the deal, Matt Engel. I could write a sports piece pretty quickly, too, and one on a statewide platform. And do you think, well, could I? And the question is, could. What if I wrote, like it or not, the time might have come out, well, Actually, we have a sideline. You saw Gary Patterson wigging out last night in the game. We actually have some exclusive other side of Texas audio on what he was saying to the referees and his assistant coaches. His face is red as red clay. This is what we got. I live in a van down by the river. Exactly. So here's the deal, Matt Engel. Could I write a piece, like it or not, time might be running off for Coach Down by the River in Fort Worth? You can bet your cheap boots I could, Matt Engel. Cheap shot, man. Just uh, keep to the course. We got you this time. We'll see you next time. Uh, coming up, Austin Corona here on your other side. And uh, we'll get into the sod poodles in the controversy in Amarillo. Stick right with us here on the other side. Back here on your other side, Title One is Lubbock's digital real estate title escrow company. Title One committed to providing you with the highest level of communication and service from the time the contract opens until it closes. Get pretty nervous there buying those houses, especially if you're first or second time. CL Title One can serve your realty, consumer, and lending needs and put everything to rest there at Title One 
Monthly.com. On the line with us, a big piece breaking out this week in the Texas Monthly. He is Austin Corona, who did a little internship with the Texas Monthly, chased this story about the AA team in Amarillo. Austin Corona, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's uh, quite a thing that's broken out. I know several people in Amarillo, and just kind of give us a breakdown, Austin, of how this thing came to pass. There was there was an initiative that was put out, vote on your favorite name for the uh, the new, Amarillo's getting a new AA baseball team, and then one of the names thrown in was Sod Poodles. How did that all come about? Yeah, so it's it's not really completely sure. I mean, they're not really entirely sure. It was supposed to be that the, the members of the community would all submit names and that of those names, uh, the finalists would be chosen. Um, there's a little bit of suspicion that those names actually came from, you know, an outside marketing firm or marketing consulting firm. Not really sure. Um, but, yeah, all of the names were sort of of that nature. They were sort of similar to, to Sod Poodle. And then it just, it, it just was really the one that kind of, you know, I guess, struck a chord the most with, with most people. So you internshiped with Texas Monthly last summer. Do you chase this story primarily or a few stories? Um, I was working on a few stories, but this is definitely the one that I had, you know, the most enthusiasm about and definitely the one that I put the most time into. So other things were, were some stories that were a little bit less time intensive or a little bit, you know, less personal to me, but this one was one that I found myself and I was really interested in. So yeah. I worked quite a bit of the summer on it. So you found a, a song on on YouTube that somebody had written, and I want listeners to hear what you must have heard and thought, wow, this is serious sod poodles. And with this preface, Austin Corona, we had Kel Seliger, state senator out of Amarillo, on the show last week. I think I am, I may not be in, in actuality, but behind this microphone, I am a pretty good student of history in West Texas and up to the panhandle, and I've never heard of this term, sod poodles. I mean, as sixth-generation Texan, I've never heard of this. And I asked Kel Seliger the same thing, and he said he had not heard of it either, uh, and then went on to tell me that anybody who likes the term sod poodles, paraphrasing again, uh, may need some mental health help. Um <laughs> But this is what you heard, and I'm just going to play the first little bit of it, and then we'll get back in with you, Austin Corona. So thanks. Well, they ain't just like a little yipping dog, a little bit smaller than a big groundhog. They run real wild and they smile all the time. They used to be called prairie dogs, but that won't work for double-A ball when it's the bottom of the ninth and the game is on the line. They are the sod poodles, sod poodles, that's right, they are the sod poodles. And when you come to our rough and rugged town, you might laugh and point and say, oh lordy, man, their name's insane. But you won't be laughing when you get beat down by the sod poodles, sod poodles, that's okay. right, they're So that sod comes out, Austin, and I, I must tell you, before I read your piece in Texas Monthly, I would not heard that before, but uh, sod poodles, for those just cluing in, is a, uh, they say, a pioneer term for prairie dogs. So you get involved. Tell us how you get involved in the story and what you make of it from there. 
Well, uh, so I was actually working nights uh, at a hotel, and a friend of mine who was from Amarillo came to work one night and started telling me about how these names had just been released. And uh, he knew that from his family. And, and, and that was how I knew about it. That's how I learned about it from the first thing. And when he told me the list of names, of course, Sod Poodle wasn't stuck out as the one that made me laugh the hardest. I mean, absolutely the most, you know, the most crazy one that I could, that I could, that I could think of. And I've done quite a bit of research. I mean, I've, I've, I've looked into the origin of the name Sod Poodle so many times. And I can tell you, I have not found uh, I have not found a single thing. I don't know. I don't You've know where not it found comes a from. historical reference for that. <laughs> no, no, I, I haven't found a historical reference to it. I don't know its etymology. I don't really know where it comes from. I've never heard it myself. And I grew up in in Colorado, where there's a lot of there are prairie dogs all over the place in the flat parts of the state. So I've I've never heard it in my life. But but you know, I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? You know, it's it's a poodle. It's a, it's a dog that lives in the sod, right? It's a dog that lives in the grass, but Historically, yeah, I don't, I don't know where the term comes from. I guess I have to ask. You should bring up etymology. I, do did the pioneers refer to pups or dogs as poodles? Like, I don't like. I get it, and I've read on the migration of the Irish and the Scottish, uh, at least so far as Europe is concerned. I doubt that they called dogs in Mexico or South America poodles. But I can understand how they would, you know, an understanding of the aristocrats and in in Europe, and then these guys moving over and being pushed out of the Northeast into the Great West, or maybe incentivized in the Great West. But did they call them dogs, or did they call them poodles? Well, to be honest, I think I and, and you know, really, really, the answer, the, the the most honest answer is that I have I have little to no idea, but. Because you know that the research that I've that I've done on this has turned up, you know, very little very little indication of of poodles being being a pioneer term. So who knows? But what I, what I would what I would reckon is that you know it might be something that was tossed around between a small group of people at some point, and it was sort of funny, and 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 it, and it lived on through some kind of small community in some way, and then someone heard it and and, and threw it in there, but. From what I know, and from the from the research that I've done into it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have a, a well documented uh, historical usage amongst uh, westward expanding Europeans, or or necessarily, of course, you know, um, Spanish or Mexican uh, settlers in that area. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I really do not know. Austin Corona, the uh, author of Root 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 for the Amarillo Sod Poodles is uh, we go along here. Um, so you've got some, it sounds like some cynicism about the names that were put forward. Who's going to ultimately decide on, uh, the name itself? Do you know the process? Well, it's it, at the moment of, those are the five finalists and they're supposed, people are sort of, it, it's really that the, the, the franchise is going to decide, oh. um, is going to decide which which one of those becomes the ultimate one, and 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 of course, you know, at the moment, none of the names have gotten the publicity that the Sod Poodles have. I mean, the Sod Poodles. I mean, there have been little things all over Amarillo where people have you know produced T-shirts or or hats, or they've put it up on a marquee in front of a Chick Fil A or whatever it is with sort of Sod Poodle uh, 
you know, faux logos and all kinds of stuff because it is a, you know, the name, regardless of the historical context, is, is, is it, it, it's, a, it's a goofy name and it catches the eye or catches the ear rather. And, and people do, people do think that it's pretty, it's pretty fun. Um, so I think, so I think in their decision process, they're definitely watching to see which one of these names has, you know, struck the most, like the largest chord of the community. And, and as, as of now, that one has been the sod fiddle. So I think it's, it's an, it's a decision with them, but one that is definitely keeping in mind what the community is talking about while they're talking about these names. Yeah. So let's keep this in context. I was talking with somebody earlier this week, my buddy Morris, who said, you know, he lives in Amarillo and he's just hanging his head saying, I want no part of the sod poodles. And I said, Uh well, Morris, listen, here's the deal. Is that Lubbock doesn't have a double A team. I don't have stakes in this thing, even though I am rooting for sod poodles, because why not? Because I know very little about double A baseball, but I know enough to know, like I'm looking at, NBC Sports, uh, Daniel pulled this up. Thank you, buddy. He was efforting while you were just talking. The Here are some crazy, what they call crazy, double-A baseball teams. There's the Scranton Rail Riders. There is the Albuquerque Isotopes. There's the Portland Sea Dogs. The um, New Hampshire Fisher Cats. The... <laughs> and so it begins to make some context, right? Uh, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. So, whenever the Jim, uh, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, Richmond Flying Squirrels, and a couple mm-hmm. more El, pa- El Paso Chihuahuas, and mm-hmm. then you've got the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Iron Pigs. Now, you tell me what the pine. I don't know where Lehigh Valley is. Uh, I guess it's, uh, Allentown. Yeah, there. Nice pool there, buddy. No wonder you go to Georgetown. Uh, uh, so the iron pigs, that's kind of on par, I would think with, so what I would tell my buddy Morris was, listen, if this is any consolation to you, you've got the, it's not like we're going to rename West Texas A&M university from the Buffaloes to the sod poodles. This is a double a baseball team in the panhandle. And it's supposed to be a little fun. It's supposed to be a little eclectic. And that's why I'm more and more getting on board with sod poodles, Austin. Yeah, I mean, that's really, and that's really the line of, of thinking that those two, those two folks from the, from the, those two guys from the article that I wrote were, were thinking along. I mean, it's really, yeah, the name is goofy, but the fact that we're even talking about it on the radio right now is mm-hmm. kind of the point. It's that, you and, know, and not just oh, hold on, hold on. let me be humble. Not just that we're talking about it on one of the most listened to U.S. news and world U.S. news and politics podcasts in the country, but that it's leading in the Texas Monthly as well. Right. That that proves right. the point, right? Yeah, and that's actually exactly what the guys I was talking to in Amarillo were saying. They were like, you know, if Am- if Texas Monthly is talking to me about this, then the name must must have a further reach, a farther reach than something, you know, more traditional like maybe, you know, the Yellow City Bombers or or the Bulls or something, which which we would all expect, right? So mm-hmm. so that would be sort of, you know, that would kind of blow by. And I think I think honestly, I mean, it, I think it's fantastic that that we're talking, that we're having discussion about the community of Amarillo right now, and that this is something that brings attention and brings um, 
you know, viewership to that city. I think it's fantastic. Which was kind of the point. I mean, the backstory with there was a lot of controversy into building the stadium in the first place and how it played into downtown Amarillo. But, yeah, I, I agree. Now that you lay that out, Austin, it makes sense that the bottom line is, regardless of what you think about the name, that there are so many people thinking about the name says that the people who went in for downtown redevelopment and the people who pushed for this baseball team, there are a lot of people talking about a baseball team that hadn't even played yet. It's signed mm-hmm. with the Padres under a two-year two-year contract, but this is pretty good return on investment, and nothing's even started yet. I, yeah, no, it, it is really it's really phenomenal. And, and, and the other thing that's really interesting about it is that the, the thing most people are concerned about or a lot of people are concerned about is not only whether people are talking about Amarillo, but, you know, whether people are taking Amarillo seriously. And I think, and I think that one thing that people sometimes fail to recognize is that being taken seriously is, is, is a matter of, you know, weight and the weight that you have in the media or the weight that you have anywhere more than it is kind of what side you fall on uh, as far as a certain perspective with this name. So, you know, people will take Amarillo more seriously now that it's, now that it's made it into these into these 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 media outlets, yeah. and I think that that's something that that sometimes people don't always remember, but I think is a, is a is a real factor in how this is going to affect the city. Uh, Austin Corona, his uh, root 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 for the uh, sod poodles there at Texas Monthly. Ken says, when will a decision be made? Do you know, Austin? You know, I talked to Tony Enzer, who is the president of the franchise, and I asked him on the phone, and he said that it would be sometime in October, of course, being this month. And he didn't specify. I have been checking their Twitter, and nothing's really gone up yet. Um, but I would imagine that it's going to be pretty soon. Yeah. I'd, I'd say at least by the end of the month, and, and if not, then soon after. Well, I mean, here's the bottom line. When was the last time you read about a double-A baseball team in Texas Monthly. And I've never done a segment on this program or made mention of it leading up to you on a double-A baseball team. There's something cooking there. And I think I'm all in on the sod poodles. It sounds a little bit, Amarillo sod poodles sounds a little, and maybe it's just me, and maybe because I didn't like chemistry or science in general very much, but uh, Albuquerque isotopes, Versus the Amarillo sod, po- sod Poodles. I'm going to buy the Sod Poodles hat every day. I should give Absolutely. mention to Carson Leverett. Is that That's the guy who did the uh, YouTube video that we just played with the Sod Poodles theme song. Uh, Austin, is thing, if you get any new developments, let us know. And uh, for listeners, somebody I've, who I've been told in Kel Seliger said last week, uh, somebody who's made a name for himself, Jerry Hodge, up in Amarillo, big backer, also got involved in Regent Gate here. Austin, you're in Georgetown. I don't expect you to know much about this, but um, we're going to try to get some comment from Jerry Hodge on what the name. Uh, my understanding is that Jerry Hodge, who's backed a lot of this, is all for the uh, sod poodles. But Austin, thank you, buddy. Appreciate you making time. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, uh, good luck at Georgetown and come back to Texas soon, buddy. I will. Can't stay away for long. All right. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.
So, man, they sure are good. Yeah, there's some Carson Lever. Stand up and stretch, eat a big old pretzel without regrets. Them pups will win just like we knew they would. Cause they're the sod poodles, sod poodles. That's right, they're called the sod poodles. Right. Better be careful when you're driving into the wind. Our ace will go. I love those. Hold on. A couple homers from our big DH. Them sod pups, they sure know how to win. It's already a thing. The sod poodles. Hey, we're going to carry out, get into some of our, uh, we got to make money here. Get in. And then we've got John Poach, Texas based poet. Get in with John Poach coming up after the break. Good little end of the week interview with John Poach. Be right back with you here on the other side. I've got all of Louisiana to think of ways to tell her where I've been. I'd like to kill that dirty dealer. Raven on in that Buddy Holly fashion in all sorts of ways. That's not what we do here. We rave on and that's why I close the program and say, rave on, buddy. The Other Side of Texas is sponsored by the law firm of Mullen, Horton, Brown, LLP, with offices in Lubbock, Amarillo, and Dallas, employing creative legal solutions to address your business needs in the areas of commercial litigation, banking, financial restructuring, employment law, and estate planning. Thank you. Those guys at Mullen, Horton, Brown for bringing you this program. And also on this edition, as I mentioned, he is John Poach, a uh, Texas-based. Get into how he got to Texas, become a Texas-based poet here on the program. Thought it was a good opportunity. Of course, we're broadcasting on a Friday. Lots of people listen to podcasts throughout the duration of the weekend. But a good change of pace to get into some poetry about texas and west texas uh tell us how you are there john poach doing great i've had a great week very busy except for i had a uh, root canal yesterday morning uh, but you're still here yeah yeah you, you're powering got, through yeah just a little a few advil and a few Ad- i'm good to go advil and jim beam or just advil well i had a glass of wine with dinner last night but you know Okay. Just some Advil. That's good. You're playing through it. Yeah. Got a good uh, endodontist, and uh, I'm good to go. Man. Root canal. (laughs) No, thank you. Got to keep things lively, you know. Yeah. So, John Poach, before we start, where are you from, and uh, how'd you get here? It's hard to say where I'm from. I I always say I'm from Atlanta, because that's where I spent my formative years. I was born in Pennsylvania, but... When we moved down to Atlanta when I was 12, I quickly adopted the southern accent because I had to survive. They started calling. Did you really? Did you work on it? Oh, man. I had to do it quick because they, they said, you talk funny. And I was thinking to myself, you just said talk with two syllables. You know, that's, that's and, and I'm talking funny. Uh, so, you know, uh, I. But how would you work on it? <laughs> Yeah, mom and dad. You just start you? talking like your friends, you know. You just start drawing everything out, you know, as they do in uh, Georgia. I do less of that now. I, t- I talk more like a Texan, I, I suppose. I'm I'm pretty much a chameleon, but and I think you kind of do that as a poet, anyways. You pick up stuff that you like, stuff yeah, that you well, need. Yeah, well, I mean, you think about poet, you think about 
somebody who's an expert in literature like yourself, you don't think about the auditory. What did you just laid a distinction down? This is always an interesting conversation. And the aforementioned Texas Monthly, about a year or two ago, produced a piece about why Texas is not Southern, at least not past the Pine Curtain in Texas and West, why it's not Southern. What's the difference to your trained ear now, John Poach, on the difference between, a, let's just say, West Texan accent and a Southern accent? Uh... That's a tough one. I think it's still it's slowed down, you know, very much like other southern speech, maybe not as much. Your S's turned a little bit of SH's, you know, Texas, you know. Uh, I'm not a linguist, uh, but I do notice a few things here and there. Um, out here in West Texas, people say sometimes they'll turn a long A into a short E, like there's a well of a cell at Dillard's, you know. Uh, and I'm, that's, I was talking to somebody in Dallas one day, and uh, she said one of those long A's with a shorty. I said, are you from West Texas? She said, yep. How'd you know? And I said, it's that shorty. <laughs> she didn't know what I was talking about. It seems to me, though, because I, I went to school with people from the South, and it seems to me that I talk, and I get complaints about this, actually, emails. Like, it takes so, like, people will listen to the podcast and, one and a half times speed. <laughs> they say it takes you so long to talk. And I just think, well, if I were from southern Georgia, you would have to have that on 2.0 Definitely. Speed. Definitely. They slow things way down in Georgia. Yeah. Hmm. John Poach, as we go along. So I bring up, I don't bring up you being from outside to marginalize or ostracize you. But I think it brings a keen point of view, especially whenever you get to writing about a place from another perspective, a perspective that you've adapted and adopted in and of yourself. But you have written some great work on Texas, and I want to carry that through as we discuss some of what you've written. So one of my favorites is the Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. We were at, at the game a couple of weeks ago, me and the boys, and these, these are some beautiful women. And it is 2018, and in some ways it's hard to believe that they're still out there doing that thing, given what you hear. But for as long as I've been alive, there have been Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, and they're still at it. So let's, why don't you read your poem, and then let's talk about what inspired you to sit down and write these words. Now, I will say one thing first, though. I've been in Texas for 17 years now, so I think, uh, I think of myself somehow as a Texan. It's kind of strange. Uh, and before that, I did my PhD at North Texas, so I was there for three years. So okay. I've been 20 years, yeah. of the last 21 years in Texas. But here's the Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys cheerleader. When the Cowboys cheerleader cheers for a body, it is her own in blue and silver, like a dove thrown into the sky, fleeing gunshot successfully, arcing her torso, into a Holy Spirit. Her athleticism is nearly unimportant. She is the reason they make lipstick into the shape of a bullet. So, break it down for us. <laughs> um, when I lived in Denton, um, 
went to a Kmart with a friend because they had the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders at the Kmart. And I was just like, well, I'd like to see these ladies up close. I was single at the time. Uh, and uh, it, was, it was pretty incredible. Um, almost a spiritual experience. They're beautiful women, you know. Um, you know, guys are pretty visual still, even though it's 2018. And so, uh, you know, we have to Probably change the way we will be. We change the way we talk about it. Uh, and of course, I'm a, I respect women, and uh, but you know, I can't deny, you know, that I see them there, standing there, and uh, so there you have it. Um, but they are athletic. You got to give that. They they but, are. But uh, tell me about the lipstick on. <laughs> um. Well, you know, it's Texas. Uh, people value guns here, and uh, I got to pay attention to that. I'm, I'm writing this. You know, having lived here for a while, I ended up just writing poems about Texas, not really intentionally at first, you know, but then you're right, you're looking around, you're like, oh, I'll write a poem about a sod poodle, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I may have to do that now. Uh, you know, I've got a prairie dog or two in my poem, but I've never uh, named it in such a fashion, which I think is actually quite poetic. You know, we're always trying to do some new things, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Having lived in Texas uh, and written poem after poem after poem about the landscape, about the culture, about this or that, uh, I thought, well, man, I should start writing poems about specifically Texas things, iconic things. And I just thought, what's more iconic than a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader? And then, you know, I'm writing this poem and I'm thinking, well, what does this relate to? And I don't know, somehow guns... Uh, powerful um just and of course just I, i'm thinking lipstick so then i think of a cartridge i think of a you know and just the power that comes with that it's kind of a i don't know maybe it's too much of a last line but people seem to like it well it's what sticks out which is why i bring up john poach here j the letter j p o c h on twitter at j poach is that yeah right? yeah uh you want to follow along uh, Lubbock, 1955. Talking about pointing out iconic things, and we talk about them every day here on the program. Buddy Holly, read us that one. Lubbock, 1955. Back when Buddy Holly first invented high school, the principal proclaimed it from the podium. The chemistry teacher gave a slice of sodium to every boy with a playa lake or swimming pool. Something in the aquifer or the Lubbock lights, and the Monday backyard ping-pong tournament began. The home ec teacher casseroled her lesson plan and made out with the baseball coach post-Friday nights. The remnants of the cotton crop, wind-blown from trailers, drifted pretty at the edge of town like snow. Our grid of streets, named after other cities, though, was windswept clean as any Midwest minor failure. January and June, a boy named Elvis played his part to frame the spring semester, and in between, senioritis burned in nearly every teen. Then summer came, and James Dean died. Undismayed, by fall, the birth of rock and roll was our new knowledge. Toward winter, the girls wore sweaters soft as malted shakes. When the mascot fired his gun for real for heaven's sakes, 
and terrified the mule-shoe Mustangs, he felt like college. So break it down. Uh, I, I could talk about a few different things. Uh, I got some of the information from the Buddy Holly Museum. You know, everybody should go there if you live in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. Um, or visit Lubbock. Nice little plug for them. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, went down there and uh, was kind of looking around. I was kind of shocked to find out that Buddy Holly senior year, Elvis came here twice. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, 1955. The Cotton Club. That's um, yeah. That's just, that that's crazy, you know. Um, you think of all those cities and all the places Elvis might have been, but, you know, he came to Lubbock twice. And obviously that was really formative for Buddy. And um, dismayed that Lubbock was dry. <laughs> I don't know about that, yeah, but, yeah, probably. Johnny, yeah. credit to the late, great Johnny Hughes, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, Who delivered liquor to Buddy and the lieutenant? What was it, Buddy? I'm sorry, to Elvis and the colonel there at the Cotton Club. But go ahead. Yeah, um, and so that ends up becoming part of the poem towards the end. Uh, you know, when uh, the poet Billy Collins, he's probably one of America's most famous poets, he, he came to visit a few years back, uh, came in through the presidential lecture series, uh, and um, I got to take him around different places. We had met a few years before, and so we kind of knew each other a little bit. And uh, he said, you know, Buddy Holly invented high school. <laughs> Which I thought was an amazing statement. I said, you know, I may use that in a poem. And, of course, that becomes... But why did he say that? Uh, I don't know, because he's a funny guy and he's really witty. And somehow that kind of makes sense, you know, that there is, you know, rock and roll now we just associate with high school. Hmm. Of course, that wasn't always the case. Uh, But for all intents and purposes, nowadays... um, you know, there's something about being in high school. You feel like you're on this edge of rebellion. You're about to become an adult. You're moving into the world. Uh, and that's just a fantastic phrase. So I just turned it into the first line here. And I told him I was going to steal it. And he said, fine. So Better exemplified in any cinematic feature better than Teen Wolf. I don't think so. <laughs> Rock and roll. Yeah. Um, a couple more coming up here with John Poach. Poet, uh, get into what he's looking at in the near future as well. Some Texas politics. Going to take a quick break. You're going to stick with us, John Poach? Yep. Okay. Uh, Be right back with you here on your other side. Hey, welcome back in. Uh, this segment brought to you by Lubbock File Room, providing safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. Do you need some document storage? Maybe some shredding services? Do what I did. Called those guys up even before they were sponsors on the program. Used them ever since. LubbockFileRoom.com, 806 744 Seven six six six. Don't go throw that stuff into the dumpster. Let uh, people jump into the dumpster and hack your identity, or let your business competitors have their way. Check out LubbockFileRoom.com. Moving along here, we still have in studio John Poach, great poet based out of Lubbock, Texas. As we carry along here on your other side. Uh, John Poach, the next one that I want to get into, we just mentioned a couple. If you miss those, just hit the, uh, I think on your podcast, 
back 15 seconds and hit that a few times. You can go back through the others. Crush, Texas. Crush, Texas. There's a little epigraph to this. Uh, basically, it's just taken from Wikipedia. William George Crush conceived of a train wreck as a spectacle. No admission was charged, and train fares to the crash site were sold for $2 from any location in Texas. About 40,000 people showed up on September 15, 1896, 1896, making the new town of Crush, Texas, temporarily the second largest city in the state. Hmm. Why don't you put on that antique swallow necklace before you dress and come downstairs for breakfast? The one I got in Spain. Not quite precious metal, but the deco style curves the edges and softens patinaed bronze and the swallow's restless flight on delicate porcelain, the nexus of breasts, our hearts, our corresponding sexes. The thought of that pendant makes my hands nearly reckless for balance, to become the ambidextrous beloved who loves to lose at O's and X's. Our, chil our children sleep. Come down, come here. Perplex us with swallows, voracious with your reflexes, with the crush of you in the terrible state of Texas that like a staged train wreck in a good way wrecks us. So Crush is not, correct me if I'm wrong, not currently a city. Correct. It's not a city. <laughs> okay, so was it that there was a train wreck or there was a staged train wreck? They staged a train wreck there on purpose. Yeah, it's amazing. I was telling my friend Paul Hunton, who's the, the filmmaker what, about okay, it. Okay, is this down around Big Spring? Where is this? I think it's maybe down, down towards Mineral Wells or something. It's, it's, it's more, I think it's kind of southeast of here. I, I want to kind of figure it out. I want to go visit the site because uh, it's such an interesting story. And my friend Paul Hunton was like, you know, we should make a film about this. <laughs> you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know what, what you'd, how you'd do it and reconstruct it. But this was one of the first ones. They did other ones, too. They started crashing trains because this one was such a huge success. But people actually died, you know. So uh, they didn't expect it was going to blow up like that. Yeah, the uh, historical marker says... A head-on collision between two locomotives was staged on September 5th, 1896 as a publicity stunt for the Missouri, Kansas, and Texas Railroad. Over 30,000 spectators gathered at the crash site named Crush for market passenger agent William G. Crush, who conceived the idea. He made some money off of it. Well, I figured I'd turn it into a love poem, you know my crush for my wife, you know, so, and I rhymed every, every line, it's a sonnet, yeah, it's a sonnet, and every line kind of rhymes with Texas, you know, reckless, mm. ambidextrous, perplex us, Texas, yeah. See what you did there, John <laughs> Coach. Uh, the last one I want to get into here, while we still have time, the Sugarland Bar Sugarland Barbecue, sorry to throw that article in, Sugarland Barbecue. Yeah, where is that one? Uh, okay. Sugarland Barbecue. The Italian word for picnic is picnic. The same in Spain, in French, in Japanese. What else would you call it? 
In Texas, we call it a barbecue and spell it with three consonants. The pot-bellied host shall provide a meat and may just cook it in the ground. Who wants cake when we've got cobbler? Lulls will befall the barbecue, such as the one after the argument about arguments that hung between the husbands and the wives, precarious and flimsy as a badminton net. Then a beer can cracks things back to bragging. There is always a woman at the picnic, though you may have missed her bare brown eyes, who sulks at the periphery, lonely as a picnic table at a junkyard, balancing a bitter can of beer in one hand as it warms and is not drunk, and a magazine somebody asked her to hold in the other. Look how she so wistfully looks at the house finch on the backyard wire, singing a tune like a string of hard candy. Its voice and its color cheer her like cherry cobbler does the others. Nevertheless, she withdraws around the corner of the garage to her car. She will escape, but first she soaks up the heat and stillness of the dash. It all makes me feel like I'm perspiring, Tom Coach, <laughs> which I would do if I lived down the Sugarland direction. What informed this one? Uh, I don't know. I just wanted to write a poem about a, a, about barbecue. Uh, and I was in Italy once, and I was asking what the Italian word for picnic was, and they said picnic. And so uh, I wrote that down in a notebook, and somehow that came into the poem. I got to this woman in the poem somehow imaginatively, and I just started thinking about, yeah, what, what does she think about things? I don't know. It just happened. Hmm. So let's switch over to, I don't want to say Texas politics, but into uh, Texas matters. Uh, Texas poet laureate, uh, you're going in for that this year. Yeah, John Post, I've had a number Texas of people Tech nominate University. me, uh, and I wouldn't mind representing 28 million people, you know, as a poet. I think I'd love to encourage literacy around the state. Um, Which talk is about my love does, for poetry. Right? Like you would win, and then you would make tours. I don't. Promoting. I don't know exactly how it works. I know that you're kind of like the go-to person, and uh, I love poetry. I love talking about language. I love uh, seeing people get excited about the written word, about the spoken word. And uh, West Texas hasn't had somebody in that role since I think when I first came here, 2001. Uh, Walt McDonald uh, was the Texas State Poet Laureate, and so uh, mostly it goes to people down in Austin and uh, San Antonio. They seem to have a lock on it lately. Brother, and don't get me started on the triangle. <laughs> That's why this is called the other side of Texas. Yeah, come on. You so, know, it's like there's amazing stuff happens how, out here. How, but how does that process work in order for you to become the State Poet Laureate? You know, it happens in Austin. I, I can't say I really know. Uh, there's the Texas Commission on the Arts. Uh, they have a, a a few panels. You know, I think there's this kind of sub panel that puts forward a, of all the people that have been nominated. They try to winnow it down to maybe ten or twelve, and then I think they announce those. I don't. They may have changed that, but then the panel of the smaller panel of people who are the big arts people in Texas decide. You know, there's a state photographer, a state musician, and a state poet, and you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm just, I'm real flattered that people would think that 
I should do that. And if I got it, I have to buy me a new car. My truck uh, is not reliable enough. I've got a 65 Ford. Does and it pay anything? You have a well, reading. I'd get invitations to do readings, and then people would give me probably some money. So, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd make a little bit of money. I'd, I'd sell more books, that's for sure. Yeah. And my next book is called Texas's uh, Plural, Texas Plural. When's that come out? That will be out in March. And I've got another book kind of about Texas. It's called Between Two Rivers. It's a book of photographs and poems. Uh, it's being published by... Uh, Texas Tech University Press. That's with Jared Foster, the local photographer here, uh, who also teaches at Tech. It's a beautiful book. We'll have a big announcement about that um, coming out at, probably at the end of the year, January. But, um, yeah, excited about that. Between the Red River and the Rio Grande? Between the Brazos and the Rio Grande. So it's a culturally, it's a big chunk of land that I think people really – most people don't really consider, haven't considered as like this one cultural kind of landscape. But, you know, people from Texas, they move all the way up there into the mountains to get some uh, relief from the heat. And uh, I find that there's this uh, kind of Hispanic cultural thing that bleeds through all of that. And, uh, yeah, so I, I wrote a lot of poems about rivers because I like to go up to New Mexico in the summer and... Um, I like to fly fish, and I spend end up spending a lot of time on rivers. Have uh, gone down the Brazos um, on a few river trips with students. Uh, so I love me some rivers. I guess I, I'm kind of obsessed with rivers because there's no rivers up here on the Caprock. There are not. <laughs> I need some moving water, you know. One downside. Yeah. One downside. Yeah. Uh, John Poach, P-O-C-H. Uh, John, people listen to this program throughout the state. If they're interested in you moving forward into the state poet laureate process, email their senators, state senators. Their, well, there's, their a, there's a website. The Texas Commission on the Arts has a website where you can nominate people. So if people want to nominate me, they like my poems, then uh, go for it. You know. But you've already been nominated. Uh, yeah, and... But it just shows further But maybe support. if, you know, people are just like, yeah, this this cat's ama amazing. You yeah. know, like, we, we got to get him in that role, you know. And if, Represent West Texas for a change. If, uh, then maybe they'll listen up, you know. Who knows? If folks want to go and read more of your stuff online, where can they do that? Just Google my name. There aren't too many John Poachers. There's a soccer coach in uh, California. That's about it. Yeah. So, do they say poach the same way in Italy and Jap Japan? <laughs> That's the question. Yeah, I've been called all kinds of things, Jay, yeah. um, and uh, usually, poach is not one of them. People tend to mess that up. Bullet shaped lipstick, Buddy Holly invented high school, and the picnics with barbecue, as well as Crush. Uh, there you got some John Poach. John Poach, thank you for making time, buddy. Hey, thank you. Appreciate you coming out on the other side. Appreciate you listening to the other side of Texas. I'm uh, going to get home. Got to get home. Uh, usually I say a great family and above average dinner, but I have managed at lunch today, went home and uh, got my Ladybird Pedernales River chili ready, ready to go home and grub on that through five. 
jalapenos into the crock pot, just preparing the way for a little acid reflux as I look 40 in the eyes in the morning. Uh, for our friend Austin Corona, John Poach, uh, want you guys to keep on. Keep on keeping on. Rave on, buddies, here on the other side. We'll see you next week with a new edition. Appreciate you listening throughout the weekend here from where Buddy Holly became famous, AM580 Lubbock. And uh, we'll see you next time right here on the other side. It's who we want to be.